You're about to listen to the Meet Mediocrity Podcast Season 2, Episode 14. And I am very excited to have Anderson Blue as my guest. Anderson brings a great story. He's a successful entrepreneur who's waking up every day and doing something he loves to do. And he's making some money at it. And I can assure you that his success was not something he would have imagined just a few short years ago. Are you ready to hear all about it? Let's get started. Podcast Season 2, Episode 14. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to thank so many of you for your kind words about my solo podcast last week, where I spoke about how we can all do a better job understanding and respecting our fellow human beings. I really received a lot of messages from you saying that you appreciated the concept that I was trying to get across of taking more time to listen to our friends and neighbors rather than judging them based on the political sign on their lawns or their Facebook posts. If we really just listen closely and try to understand people as people, we begin to realize that we have more in common with each other than we might think. Now, on to today's conversation with Anderson Blue. Anderson is engaged to be married to my niece, Danny, and that in its own right is a big deal. But Anderson is also a really interesting guy and someone who I really admire. He's a talented artist, he's got a big personality on social media. And he's someone who's becoming a very well-known sneaker designer. Anderson's starting to live his dream, and I am incredibly impressed and proud to know him. So, without further delay, here is my conversation with Anderson Blue. Anderson, thanks for being with me. Nice. I'm about to say nice to meet you. Thanks for inviting me. You're nice to meet you. I know, right? We, we've met. We've met a little bit we've met more than a few times. But um, Andy, I'm really excited about having you on the show today because, frankly, um, you're a, you're actually. I'm actually going to say this, even though it's going to embarrass you. You're you're an inspiration to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at it like that. Just. So I, I never pictured that would, that would ever be a thing for myself. Well, here's the thing. You're a successful entrepreneur mm-hmm. doing something you love. That, in my mind, is the definition of success. Okay. I have always wished that I could be an entrepreneur doing something I love, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work out for me. Other mm-hmm. things have worked out for me, so I'm not <laughs> complaining. I would definitely say I would definitely say that. But this, you're, you're freaking cool. And it, 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 you know, I know the story, but, but 
I think the listeners would appreciate the story. Mm-hmm. So Anderson Blue mm-hmm. was not was not like was was a normal guy in high school, right? I, I would say so. Did, so you, your big focus wasn't art or, uh, in high school. No. You, you what did you do in high school? So I always drew in high school, but like, so I'm Caribbean. My family's straight off the boat, came from Trinidad, came over. Yep. So, you know, when it comes to school, that's like the number one important thing for them because that's how like you get a job, you're able to take care of yourself. It's all about having a good education. Exactly. So art is a thing that's not taken seriously. It's a hobby. At all. It's right. And especially we don't see people that do it. It's almost like, you know, like how do you even get there? You know what I mean? So, you know, when it came to school, it was just, you know, I was really, really good at sports. So that's one thing that I did. Um, But school, I would definitely say I was, I was actually like a below average student. Like it was was a struggle, (laughs) a struggle. Right. So, so school, school and getting grades wasn't your thing. I'm sure your parents love that. Oh, I drove my father up a wall, up a wall. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. So... You, but you got through high school. Yeah, I got through it. Yep, pushed through. <laughs> did you play sports in high school? Yeah, I did. Because you're a very athletic looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I played basketball. Basketball was just my thing. I was definitely one of those kids that wanted to be like Mike. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. So, like, my whole thing is like, can I do the Mike story? Can I, like, play, like, you know, try for the high school team and maybe play college? Um, even before. And maybe be the greatest basketball player of all time. That, that, that was the dream. That was the dream. It was just because, you know, I just knew. School wasn't working out for me, and I just knew I had the talent for basketball. So it was doing that, and I also played football in school. But football was just to stay in shape for basketball. Okay. Well, I totally get that. So after high school, you went to North Carolina and were an All-American basketball player, right? Yeah. (laughs) That was the goal. That was the goal. It was senior years when I started to realize I'm like, oh, there's a a different level to this. Yeah. Like, like, I know I'm good, but... Yeah, no, I good. listen. So, so dream number one, mm-hmm. put an X through that, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But you I went knew. to college. I did, I did. And what was your major in college? So, I went to school for business. Um, I did that because I just thought it would be, it would be me playing it safe, right? Um, I was in, on my parents' side, I was one of the first people to go to college, actually finish. So, that was the one promise that I had to have for my family. Like, we don't care what you do, but you need to go to school. And finish. Because my father said, if you don't go to school, you have to go to the Army. I wasn't going to the Army, so. Well, I, li- I like that you have to go to school and finish because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just make you realize that we actually have a little bit more in common than you thought. Really? Yeah, because when I went to college, mm-hmm. my, my parents said, Mitchell, you could be whatever you want to be. Mm-hmm. You, can, you, can, you, you dream it, you can become it. So I said, I want to be a doctor. And after getting a D in organic chemistry <laughs> and a D in biology, mm-hmm. um, I realized that I probably wasn't going to be a doctor. And my father said to me, I never, I forget, I remember the phone call because I was on academic probation. Mm-hmm. And my father said to me, you will get a college degree in four years. I don't care what it is. That's I don't so care. Funny. I don't care what it is, but right, right. you will get a college degree in four years. So right. I love to read and write. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a great writer. I'm I'm a much better writer now than mm-hmm. I was, but I love to read and mm-hmm. I enjoyed writing. Mm-hmm. And um, I became an English major because I spent the next two and a half years of college mm-hmm. after basically failing out of pre med. Right, right. Um, 
I, I spent the next two and a half years laying in bed reading books, mm-hmm. going to my desk and writing papers, mm-hmm. and never having to take tests. Wow. And I graduated in four years with an English degree, uh-huh. and no one knew what I was going to do with that. So you were a business major. Uh-huh. You didn't know exactly what you were going to do with that other than um, make your parents happy. Yeah, pretty much. And, and get a job. Yeah, that was the goal. Okay. Absolutely. So um, <laughs> you, you and I were, were, were stellar college students, oh, clearly. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, so, but you actually started touching the entrepreneur bug in college, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... If I didn't go to school, this definitely wouldn't have happened. Because for me, when I went to college, that was like my phase of growing up because I was away from home, right. had a chance to like learn about myself. And one of the things is probably the best thing that happened to me was like I played college ball, um, but you know, I didn't do much more than the practice team. You yep. know, I didn't play the games or anything like that. But one of my roommates ran track. I've never ran track a day in my life. I hated running. But he said to me, he's like, Hey, if you want to be a good basketball player, why not run track? Like, you'll be in the best shape, even better shape than everybody else. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I have, I'm not doing anything else, so I might as well give it a try. But after joining the track team, I did that for the rest of my college career, and I got to hang out with all these different people. But the probably the, the biggest eye-opening moment for that was I'm like, you know what? I really can do anything if I really, really put my mind to it. And, I, and when I say that, meaning, like, when I started track, like, I was fast, but nothing crazy. Right. But... At the end, my senior year of track, I was invited to like the Nike Invitationals. I started doing long jump. I started having like crushing school records. So pretty much what I'm saying is like before I got into college, I was kind of like only doing the things I thought I was good at. Right. But like after college, I started to realize like it's okay to experiment and do different things. And and that's what, you know, that's what spawned the whole idea of like, you know what, um, why not try this whole art thing and start you know making a t-shirt or two like without to lose so so it's interesting what you're saying mm-hmm. by the way I, again another thing we have in common because i firmly agree with this point is try different stuff mm-hmm. find something that you both love and you're good at mm-hmm. and 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 success builds on success is built upon success and confidence mm-hmm. so you're building up confidence in yourself and you're going to be successful on that mm-hmm. so you ran track yep you were better than you thought you'd be in track. Yeah, yeah. And you also started making T-shirts. So tell me about that. So I don't know how it happened, but like for some reason, senior year, you know what? I think I took a um, a marketing class. Yep. And then I had to use a little bit of my art skills. And then uh, I was drawing something in class. And I drew out like this really cool design. It was like iHeart College, right? iHeart College. Just a playoff like iHeart New York. Yep. But what I did was, because I was in college, I was really b- big into beer pong at the moment, I was like, what if I took out these two L's, put two solo cups and a beer pong ball? Um, it pretty much sells the message of like, you know, what college is. You yeah, know? beer pong. Exactly. <laughs> so I liked the idea so much, I showed friends, like, yo, I'd make a great t-shirt. I was just like, you know what, I have a little bit of money laying around for my, um, my college scholarship, like, why not <laughs> buy a heating press, put it in my room, buy some blank t-shirts and just make some, see what happens. Um, I made a t-shirt. Well, you go back. This is before I was actually doing art. My yep. roommate was a graphic designer. So I was like, hey, if you make this, whatever I make, I'll give you 50% of it or whatever. Right. He's like, cool. So he makes it. I heat press it. I wear the shirt to class. And I'm in track, so I know all the sports players. So when people saw me wearing it, they're like, yo, I would love one of those. 
So I tell people like, yeah, you know, come back to my room and I'll make them. And that's how everything started. I made one t-shirt, I made two, I made five. And then one night I was like, you know what? I'm going to make 50 t-shirts, make like a hundred jello shots. And I'll tell people that like, hey, you buy one, you get a free jello shot. After two hours making a loop at my college, I sold all the t-shirts, all the jello shots were gone. And I was just like, you know what? This might be an avenue for a business and to mix art. You know, it's amazing. And, you know, it's funny because I've had people talk to me about Meet Mediocrity saying, mm-hmm. did you did you take, you know, marketing or did you take a communications course? I'm like, actually, kind of no. I mm-hmm. just feel like I know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. You're kind of the same way. You kind of had, you kind of knew, mm-hmm. you know what? Take these, take these T-shirts, take these Jello shots, mm-hmm. walk around, and, and and next thing, it was the right thing to do. You were marketing. Yeah, yeah. You were marketing, and 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 you had so you you actually showed signs. You probably didn't realize it, no. but you showed early signs of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, like back then for me, it was just like, who doesn't like Jello shots, you know? And then like you know, after one Jello shot or two, people get kind of comfortable. But that was it. I wasn't really thinking thinking of it as. This is a great marketing campaign to kind of get these T-shirts out there. So, after the T-shirts, I, I, if I remember, if I remember your story correctly, so mm-hmm. please correct me if I'm wrong. But after these T-shirts, you started a little clothing business. So Anderson Blue started a clothing business called yes. Was it Blue Dreams? Yes, 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 yes. So tell me a little bit. That, so that was again a building block. But tell me about it. So. After college, I was bought in. I was like, all right, I want to do a clothing brand. I need to come up with a theme for the clothing brand. Blue Dream is supposed to represent from Long Island. It'll be aquatic themed. Yep. Um, you know, all the t-shirts would be aquatic based. And I want to build like this whole like uh, experience of a brand. Right. You know? So that's pretty much how everything started. And after school, I just spent like the next five to ten years just learning how to be a graphic designer because I didn't go to school for art. I went to school for business. Because that was the right thing to do. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and then learning how to run a business. You know, I my family's full of people that work for the city. Cops, uh, EMTs, you know, like, so doing a business is not something that comes, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's, it's out the norm. And, and, and it's say. not necessarily, I mean, you were a business major in college, but running a business as an entrepreneur... Not something you learn from a textbook. No. You learn no. it by doing it. And Absolutely. you learn it by making mistakes. Absolutely. So you, you, you had your share of successes and mistakes, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. While you were mis- so um, can, you think, can you think of a lesson, an early lesson mm-hmm. in the Anderson Blue entrepreneur world? Oh, yeah. Tell me one. Um, don't finance your business through credit cards. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I do know what you mean. So, uh, like I said, when I first started the brand, like when I said I didn't have any money, like zero money, I think there's one funny story where uh, I was really good at beer pong. So there's a beer pong tournament. I think the the cash win was like $700. Okay. And I only played because I said like, if I get this $700, I'm going to take that money to make t-shirts. Right. And that's exactly what happened. Okay. So I would do like little things to kind of hustle to, to to pretty much make money. But in between, since I didn't have any. So you didn't go on Shark Tank. You you no. got your you, you got your financing through beer pong. I hey, love it. Hey, <laughs> I, I, I tried to use whatever I had to kind of, you know, make Absolutely. it work. Absolutely. So go ahead. But, um, but in between... In order to keep the ball rolling, I was just like, all right, I have this credit card. As long as I pay it off, I'll be fine. Right. And that's what I use to kind of get everything rolling, just credit cards and just trying to like do little jobs uh, 
every now and then. The problem, and, and as I'm sure you learned, because I had this problem for other reasons when I was younger, um, the problem with cre- getting out from under credit cards is the freaking interest rates. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's outrageous. Mm-hmm. So, so you found yourself in a bit of a pickle. Yep. Um, but you, you've, you kind of managed, you, you managed your way out of it, but, but actually you also reached a turning point. So I remember mm-hmm. you kind of like were entrepreneurial mindset, mm-hmm. right? You had your own clothing business. Mm-hmm. You, you were doing some odd jobs. I, yep. I know you were, you were kind of like a hustler. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then you had that injury Yep. and that was like a turning point for you. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the injury and tell me why it was. We all have turning points in our lives, mm-hmm. but this is a big one for you. So tell me a little bit about the injury yeah. and how you felt after the injury. So it was probably 2016. Yep. And um, this is like right after the pop, like the pop-up shop. I think like I was dating Danny at the time. Okay. I think some of the family came to the pop-up shop out in uh, Babylon Village. And um, I had a pop-up shop for like a month. Um the amount I paid to, to rent the entire spot, I made that in a day from like selling clothing and stuff like that. So that was going really well. So in my eyes, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for the you know the real deal. Yep. But the only issue was was I felt like I was never making enough money to keep money in my pocket. It was always like as soon as I made t-shirts, I made the money back, but it was never enough to keep the bill, you know, pay off the bills. Yeah. So Probably a few months after that, I was just playing ball and I, and I tear my patella tendon, and then like that was it. I wasn't able to like you know hustle like I was used to. Patella wasn't able patella tendon like you could like you. Can't, it's a very debilitating injury, right? So for most people that don't know, I'm not sure if your listeners know, but the, the patella tendon's like the ACL, but like times two. ACL you can get up and walk away. Patella tendon, you can't walk. It's like the tendon that keeps your knee in place. Yep. So um, nobody hit me. It just happened randomly. And it took me about, had to do like two months of bed rest. I couldn't do anything. Right. And this was when I was supposed to be looking for a store. So rather than cry about it, be really, really upset. And I was, and I had surgery and everything. I told myself that I was going to make the, make the best of the situation and I'll draw and I'll start doing these things called art prints that everybody's telling me about. Okay, time out. Yep. You can't tell me that you weren't, you, you had a pop-up store. Mm-hmm. I remember I remember hearing about it. Mm-hmm. I remember how successful and excited you were about it. Mm-hmm. You had the injury. Mm-hmm. You didn't just say, I'm going to start sketching. You mm-hmm. were freaking, if, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. Anderson Blue, you were freaking <laughs> miserable. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and so there was a period there, I mm-hmm. imagine, mm-hmm. If actually I, I remember, there was a period there when you really weren't quite sure what to do. Yep. Because, you know, this whole, you know, business, the, the momentum you had from the pop-up shop was mm-hmm. lost. Yep. Gone. And, you know, I remember you saying to me, yo, um, maybe maybe I would just, like, apply for, like, a nine-to-five job and, like, call it a career. Yeah, because what happened after the, surger- after the surgery and after all the medical stuff happened, I realized quickly that instead of getting a job to build for the future and saving, I was spending everything I had to build a business. So Which I, is I saved, an entrepreneurial dilemma. I saved Happens absolutely 
I didn't save anything. No, right. Because every time, every every time you make money, you're putting it right back into your business. Exactly. Yep. So mm-hmm. I'm looking up. I'm 27, 28. You know, I have no savings whatsoever. Right. And I feel like that's about how much savings I had at 28. Okay. Also, but anyway, keep going. <laughs> and I'm looking up. I'm just like, yeah, I gave this a good old college try, but it it almost feels like I wasted my time a little bit, even right. though I learned so much. And I'm not gonna lie, I, I was embarrassed because I'm talking, I'm looking at all my friends, people getting married, people getting houses, and I'm going to craft shows or events to sell T-shirts. You know what and, I mean? And and you know, not for nothing, but and I, I it's not psychological. Not, not, I'm I'm not a psychologist, but I you know, when your body fails you mm-hmm. in an unexpected way, mm-hmm. it's like it can it can shake your confidence in other ways. Yep. And so, like, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but I putting myself in your shoes, mm-hmm. you know, if I was like, you know, an athlete playing ball like for fun and I was like cruising in my career and building a business and boom, my body failed me in an unexpected way and I was mm-hmm. laid up, I'd be like, well, what the heck else is going to happen? Yeah. And you kind of like start questioning yourself. But you, so you, you may have had a few moments of that, but you did start drawing, mm-hmm. which is, which is kind of like, it's kind of like back to your love, back to your mm-hmm. roots. You were uh, you used to sketch mm-hmm. in high school. Yep. When your parents said get better grades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So so tell me a little bit about how sketching led um led you out of like the doldrums with your your patella tendon. Yeah. And into actually a new business. So um while I was healing up, I was talking to my girlfriend who's my fiance at the time. And I was telling her about like like about, like what I just said to you about maybe I should just move forward and just leave this art stuff behind, and she says like you know what at the end of the day you're successful for what you did right like you did a good job you learned a lot you're good at it so why not continue to do it but don't lean on it so much so when she said that I was like all right worst case scenario I could do some freelance jobs and maybe I can make some art artwork for myself I can just see where it goes. So um, when I was resting, like I was saying before, I was like, you know what? People tell me I should do stuff uh, around the stuff I love, which is basketball. And in basketball's culture, there's sneakers. And I'm a big fan of pop culture. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just do that. I'll put it on the internet and I'll just see what happens. So you just started like, so you just said to yourself, Thanks to Danny, a little <laughs> bit at least. Always, always give the woman some credit. Right. <laughs> um, but thank, but thanks to Danny's encouragement, mm-hmm. you you said, you know, I love sketching, mm-hmm. I love basketball. Mm-hmm. Let me put one plus one together, mm-hmm. without any big dreams, mm-hmm. just to kind of get yourself going. Yep. All yep, right. Yep, so yep. where where did that take you? So I think that year. I had some events already planned out, so I was like, I just want to get rid of my T-shirts now, okay. and I, right? So I'm like, I'll bring inventory cleanup exactly, yep. and I'll I'll bring the artwork with me to see how it goes, but no big deal. But while I started to do these events, people were only buying the shirts just to get the artwork. Yeah, so tell me, you you made a con- you, 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 I remember <laughs> I remember the story. You said something like. Please buy these T-shirts. I'll give you a free piece of artwork. Or right, right, like right. That. So <laughs> before I got hurt, I had an event planned with like a store, like a little small pop-up shop at the, at a store in uh, Huntington. And I was like, I just need to do something just to make sure they buy these two shirts. Yep. So that's when I did the artwork. And when um, I talked to the owner, they're saying like, yeah, everybody really likes the artwork. They only want to get the T-shirts to get the artwork. I'm like, that's weird. I've never seen anything like that. 
And it wasn't until one person came from Manhattan, like, hey, I came here for the shirts. Well, I came here for the artwork. And I'm like, you drove from Manhattan? We never met each other. You just know from the stories. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the artwork is dope. And that's when I was just like, hmm, did something happen in here? Because I've never had that happen before. And that's that's where I told myself that, like, you know what? I'm going to do this artwork once a month for a year. And then I'm going to take a step back and look to see what happens. Yep. And... That is how Anderson Blue and the sneaker artwork was born. So that's frankly an amazing story. So now you mm-hmm. now you sell you from sell. <laughs> now you're a prolific uh, sneaker artist, mm-hmm. and you sell your sneaker art. You, now, so before we get into sneakers themselves, mm-hmm. we'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. But the sneaker art, mm-hmm. like I know you have a website, yep, um, and I know that you actually sell your artwork, but it's not like, um, I mean, you have limited editions, yeah. you've, you you uh, you have new stuff coming out. So, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about your cadence of putting out new art. Yeah, so once I made the decision to do it once a year, um, I wanted to treat it like. Um, how it how it like uh, how Nike would do their sneaker releases, right? So I want to do something that was very very limited, um, something that's only available for a small amount of time yep. because that's what um, made me love Nike and love buying. It sneakers. also drives demand. It it does. Yeah, it does. And uh, honestly, I just did it that way because I was just trying to be like the company I enjoyed. Um, and uh, so you model so you modeled this after after Nike. Yeah. Yeah, after like the exclusive drops and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and um, I'm sorry, I, I just lost. Yeah, my train so of you so you put out art how frequently? Gotcha. So I put out art once a month. I put so out you new put artwork. Out, and, and how many? How many? You know, there's an original, and then there and then there's prints of that, right? Yes. So so give me a typical how many how many how big is the run of oh, prints? Yeah. So it all depends on the artwork. So right. perfect example, I did a piece of artwork for Kobe Bryant, one of my favorite basketball players after yep, he passed. Rest in peace. So, um, so for that one, I did like 24. Okay. That was like his jersey number, yep. right? Or I might do 50 or I might do 100. It all depends on like the story I'm trying to tell so, through so the artwork. So if it's a special story, you might make it a more limited or Correct. an exclusive edition, yep. raises the price, makes it a little more special. Yep, absolutely. Now, for each piece of artwork, there's mm-hmm. an original mm-hmm. and then there's prints, right? Right. So since I work online, the originals are more like the sketches and the oh, stuff I do so by you, hand. So you draw you draw online. Yeah. So yep. so so I'll break down the graphic design process. So it's almost like a comic book, right? So I do everything by hand. I just color it on a computer. Yep. But all the original sketches stay with me. But the stuff that I sell to everybody else is uh, like the prints that are numbered. Okay. Um, I so do that numbered. Okay. Exactly. I do that because I feel it's a more affordable option. Because if yep. I sell one piece of artwork, I don't expect the common person to spend a thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollars for a piece of art. That's, that's not the that's not the target audience. Exactly. Here. But I found out that hey, I could still hit that number if I do like you know a hundred art prints for sixty bucks. Right. You know what I mean. Yep. And I think for the the person that's you know not a big art fan, but a person that you know, likes art, um, it's easier for them to kind of buy into what I'm doing. So 
you've been doing the the artwork and and been selling them online for a few years now. Yes, 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 yes. And they're freaking cool. And you have quite <laughs> a, and you have quite a following online. Thank you, thank you. Um, but the coolest thing mm-hmm. is the story about how you've you've got two sneakers. Mm-hmm. That were actually produced mm-hmm. and manufactured mm-hmm. with your design. Yes. Tell me about the first time this happened. So that is probably the craziest story. Um, so I was definitely doing the artwork for two years, and um, I got a random email. It was just like, "Hey, we see what you're doing, and we want to know would you be willing to work with us." This email came from Foot Locker. So when I'm looking at it, you know, I've never gotten a official email from one of these companies. So I'm just like, somebody like, you know, messing with me? Like, what's going on so here? you got an email from Foot Locker and your first reaction was, this is spam. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I was concerned. Yeah. But um, pretty much they just broke down that, like, we see what you're doing with the sneaker artwork. We think it aligns with what we do. We should come down and, like, you know, meet with us and see if we can make something happen. So when, okay, so when these big opportunities happen, like in my head, I just have like, you know, I'll be in a boardroom, I sell my ideas, it'd be like this great thing, and you know, and this will take me to the top, you know? But this- <laughs> Just like in the movies. R- exactly. But this came at literally the, so this came at literally like the worst, uh, probably in my opinion, like the worst part of my life. So what happened was my dad passed a few months earlier. I remember. And- um so with when a family member passes, that's already tough. But when he passed, because my dad had his own business after he retired being a cop, um, I quickly realized, like, wait a second. Um, now that he's not here, I now have to take over that business, figure out how to run it, and get all the employees and everybody on board to keep that ball rolling. So you Out know, of loyalty to your father. Exactly. And his employees, yeah. Exactly. So... You know that wasn't, by itself, it wasn't a business you were dying to be in. No, you were no, doing no. it. You were doing it in memory of your father. Exactly. And by okay. the way, this is like a tax business. Yep. Which isn't like the sexiest thing, you know. When, no, it's when you, not. When you tell people, I know that. <laughs> so, um, so when that, so when I got the email, it was like literally a few months after that happened. In fact, they sent me the email during tax season. If everybody's done taxes, you know, tax season is like a very hectic time. So, um, so yeah, I met with them. It was definitely inconvenient. Uh, I showed. I went down to one of their stores in Manhattan. I showed them uh, my artwork. Uh, the guy really liked it. One of the coolest things that happened was the people that worked there stopped what they were doing and started checking out the artwork and taking down my name and stuff like that. So that's what like uh, that's what helped him to buy into what I was doing. Like, hey, do you want to do a project? But um, that's how everything kicked off for the sneakers. So here you were. You were trying to keep your dad's business afloat. He was in a tax preparation business, mm-hmm. um, which is seasonal and hectic. Yep. Here you are trying to keep balls in the air, and Foot Locker says, I like your shoe design. Mm-hmm. I want to make a shoe. Mm-hmm. So when did that shoe actually come out? So it came out a year later in February. And it's funny because when they when they hit me up, it was just like, we want you to do t-shirts. And... Um, Two weeks after seeing the designs, they said, oh, by the way, uh, one of the sneaker brands wants to do sneakers, too. Do you want to design those? And and actually- You were I, like, wait, what? <laughs> exactly. And it's funny because I don't think I've ever told anybody this, but like the way they positioned it, I could tell that it was just like throwing me a bone. Because if I didn't do it, I'm sure somebody else in-house would have done it. 
So I was just like, I could fight them to get like this big payment for the sneakers, or I could really do this really dope design, and it could be on my resume, and I think it'd do more than some big payment. So yeah. I just did it. So it was. This isn't about. It wasn't a get rich quick. No. It was build 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 the Anderson Blue brand. Yep. Build your resume. Yep. And um, that wasn't the first sneaker. That that wasn't the last. Sneaker. No, it definitely was that not wasn't the last, last sneaker. Silly me. Yes. <laughs> so, so tell us about your most recent sneaker. Yeah. So after that sneaker happened, uh, it ended up being one of the best selling Asics Foot Lock has ever done. In fact, the guy joked about it. He said, like, we usually, I shouldn't even say this on the podcast, but <laughs> to, uh, the Asics do okay for Foot Locker. But he's like, if you could sell out of Asics, he's like, you'll definitely make a name for yourself. Like he said it, like, laughing. Yeah, understood. Well, because listen, I, I mean, I wear Asics right. I, religiously, but I wear them as a very supportive running shoe. Yes. They're a niche. Yes. They're great at their niche. Yes. But they're not, they're not Nike that has like a million different types mm-hmm. of shoes that sell to a much wider audience. Right. So the fact that you sold out an Asics yep. is a big thing. Yep. Because it's more of a niche shoe. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. So, and especially since I'm not like this, I'm not Kanye West. I'm not like a big, well-known name. Not yet. Not yet. Hopefully. <laughs> so, you know, when all this stuff happened, they're saying like, who's this kid? How did, was he able to do this? Maybe there's something here. So fast forward to, you know, like a, a month or two ago, um, they came back again and said, hey, we have another opportunity for you to do another sneaker. This time it's to raise money for families that's been affected by COVID. Um, you'd be able to work with Converse. Um, we just ask you to do everything, come up with the concept, the design, put it together, show it to us. And, you know, hopefully we would like these to sell out so the money can go to these families. Wow. So I I remember I remember you showed me the design mm-hmm. before before it went to production. Yep. So tell us. I mean, a, lo- a lot of your followers know about the design. It's mm-hmm. big deal. My followers are going to learn about the design right now. So <laughs> tell me about how you um, came up with the the lemonade design yeah. and, and what your thought process was, and you know, just just kind of tell me how it went. Yeah. So um, I'm a big fan of storytelling. So I try to, whenever I create something, have it tie back to, like, what I grew up on. So my grandmother, during the summer, was, like, really, she had, like, this amazing lemonade that she would always make. It was so good that was just, like, as a, even as a little kid, I was like, hey, maybe I could sell this on the block and I could make some money to buy video of course, games. Of course you were. Right. So uh, it didn't work out, but that's all right, though. It definitely planted those seeds in me being an entrepreneur. Right. So um, when it came to me with the idea, I'm like, hey, I could definitely play on that and definitely just have it look like what I would want like a lemonade stand to look like today if I was to do it. So um, that's the idea I pitched to them. They loved it. I made my own lemon pattern, something that looks like, you know, you could wear as like a floral shirt. And I slapped it on Converse, put it all together, and yeah, sold out in like 30 seconds. <laughs> so so how many how, how many pairs of sneakers did so, you print with the lemonade? So they kept it very limited, um, but they did like 100, under 200 sneakers. So under 200 sneakers, mm-hmm. and they sold out in a hot second. Yes. And that's amazing. Yeah. Did, did you get a pair for yourself? I did. Th- thankfully, <laughs> you know, I get the first samples and stuff like that so which is always nice so you have a few pairs so this is so this is really a phenomenal story um you are kind of a regular guy who kind of went through high school finding Mm -hmm. your way not really great in anything some dreams whatever 
and now like you're you're doing what you love. Mm-hmm. You're making money at it. You're becoming you're becoming famous at it. Trying my best. What's next, Anderson? Um, definitely continue to build an online brand, but I definitely want to do an art show. Definitely want to do an art show. I haven't done one. This was supposed to be the year for me to do it and start like, you know, working that out. But, you know, with COVID and since you don't want everybody coming together and stuff like that, I have to push it back. But as soon as things go back to normal, I definitely want to do just do an art show, show show people, you know, what Anderson, like the Anderson Blue name under one umbrella, you know? Well, and I'm going to say this. I don't care whether you like it or not, but mm-hmm. um, you and I have talked about, you know, me having you do an exclusive piece of art just yes. for me. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll pay a little extra because it's going to be a one of a kind. Um, but that's cool, too, because, mm-hmm. you know, you and I had a little conversation you know, one thing I learned um, earlier in my life is when you're dealing with an artist, don't give them too many restrictions. Just give them <laughs> a little bit of guidance and let them go. Appreciate and, it. And uh, you're going to do that for me. Absolutely. And um, I'm sure a lot of people out there are can't wait to see what comes out next from you. So thank you. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This, this was fun. This that went by so fast. It, it goes by very fast, but um, it went by fast because it was fun. Absolutely. All right. Good Absolutely. luck to you, Anderson. Thank you, man. We'll Appreciate be in touch. you. Take care. You too. Bye. You see, I thought that was a great conversation. Anderson has done something that I greatly admire. He never gave up on himself, and he never stopped pursuing his love of art. And now he's becoming a well-known artist and a sneaker designer. And he's done all of this while keeping his father's or his late father's tax return preparation business going, even after his father was gone. Anderson is both a talented and a responsible guy. The other thing about Anderson Blue is that he has had his mediocre moments. Whether it was being a struggling student or having a clothing line that did, did, started off well, but it did not end up as well as he would have hoped. He had a serious knee injury and he lost his father at an already challenging time in his life. That's lots of mediocre moments, but Anderson never gave up. I would call that meeting mediocrity and then beating mediocrity. Congratulations, Anderson, and thank you very much for being my guest today. So finally, the wrap-up. I'll make it short. Please tell your friends about the Meet Mediocrity podcast. I personally appreciate your listens, your follows on social media, and your direct messages to me. In the meantime, please stay safe and healthy, keep smiling, and be well. Take care, everyone.